Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with sometimes goalie and all the time awesome artist Preston of S. Preston Designs. In this episode we talk about Preston's background in hockey, his art, and ballpark princesses, as well as why he put on the pads in the first place. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Preston. Well, Preston, hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, good to have you on, one of the few non-goalies I've had on the pro- on the podcast. Oh, yeah? Well, I have played goal many times, so we can uh, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit, uh, I've played goal. Okay, well, then, hey, all it takes is one time between the pipes, in my opinion. Um, yeah. so, so I fit in. Yeah, you do. You do. So um, the one thing I ask every guest, uh, goalies and non-goalies, but you're a goalie, uh, you, you fit that that uh, mold. Um, how did you get started? I mean, you're originally from Calgary, so I mean, we, we could say, well, you're a Canadian, so it's a birthright. But you know, how did you discover the game of hockey and get started in it? Uh, so I actually grew up in Vancouver. I went to school in Calgary. Okay, all right. I read. I just was glancing over at the about page. The about page. All good. All good. Um, <laughs> I've been a hockey fan since the early the early 80s when I was a kid. I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan. I I think I became a fan in 82 when, when they made their Stanley Cup run with Stan Smeal, Richard Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And uh, why I was like, why are these people putting flags on their cars? <laughs> and, and that was kind of my birth of my hockey. No one else in my family were hockey fans. And uh, so I, I lived through 92 and then, sorry, 82 and 94. 
those playoff runs. And I think that really is what ingrained me as a, as a hockey fan, mm-hmm. um, following numbers, following stats, you know, all that stuff as a kid that you do. Um, and then playing hockey itself was later on in life at a, when I was turned 30. Um, and I didn't actually learn to skate till I was, I was 30. Oh, wow. So, well, let, let's back up a little bit. So, you know, as you said, nobody is really a hockey fan in your family, but you know, here you are watching the Canucks. And I mean, I, I still remember sitting on the couch watching that 94 series. And um, at that point I didn't care who won. Um, I, I loved the, the Canucks logo at the time with the skate, but then watching Mike Richter play in that series, like, Oh my God, we're as a hockey fan. It was such a great series, but you know, being the lone hockey fan in the family, you know, what was that like? And, you know, what did mom and dad think when you're like, you know, I need to stay up late. Well, you were on the West coast, so you never really had to stay up late to watch the games, but uh, you know, what was their reaction to it? They were, uh, they weren't uh, really happy with that Asian parents. So they, uh, they actually was school, 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 school. And anytime I'm watching hockey games or listening on the radio, it was not cool. Uh, but uh, funny enough, uh, all my family turned into hockey fans, all turned to Canucks fans. Uh, my dad, uh, right up to when he passed away, was a diehard Canucks fan. And, and uh, uh, so he we actually all learned to love the sports. We're all we're all sporty in a way. So. So, yeah, we all became sports fans over time. But I was kind of the pioneer of the family to become a Canucks fan or a hockey fan. Well, that, that's cool. So, you know, you say an Asian um I'm sure baseball was big in the family because that, that is a, uh, the, a big sport over. Um, Incorrect, actually. Um, really? Tennis was the big. My dad played tennis every single day of his life from oh, wow. like 18 to 70 something. So oh, wow. I learned to play tennis. Um, so tennis was big, was big in our family. Um, in Canada, baseball is not that, just not po- that popular. So uh, I didn't learn to love baseball until far later on life, too. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, cause I know up, up in Vancouver, you know, the Seattle Mariners are kind of the adopted team out that way. But uh, no, that, that that's cool. Um, so, you know, later on in life, you decide, you know, what, I've been a hockey fan long enough. I want to try it out myself. What was that decision for you? And what was that like the first time going out on the ice, you know, being like a baby deer out on the ice? Um, the if a lot of people think of Canada as a hockey hotbed, but Vancouver itself, which is the weather is very similar to Seattle, where it's a lot of rain, very temperate um, climate. So there's just not a lot of hockey in, in that area. You um, is a lot like a lot of other temperate zones where you have the parents have to drive into the rinks. There's no outdoor hockey. There's no, you know, bring your skates to school. Like, like the rest of Canada (laughs) has. Um, So, I wanted to learn. And then funny enough, my older brother one day just said, I'm going to learn hockey. And I'm the younger brother. Like, oh, yeah, well, I'm more athletic and I'm going to learn it, too. So we just <laughs> we went out to um, the flea market and we bought uh, I think we spent one hundred dollars in total for all our gear. And we just we went and learned hockey, loved it to death. Um, I, I play I was on the ice every day, I think, between the, the age of 30 till to 40 something. Um every day like it was it was just non-stop i loved hockey and um and and i learned to play all the positions and do and do everything and it and you know youtube helps a lot when you're learning how to skate and all that stuff so i i learned to i became a hockey rink rat for and, a lot of my life and and that's how it's got to be but you know you mentioned 
getting out there with, with you know just cobbling together some equipment from the flea market what was that first time on the ice like for you oh yeah that for i mean it was frustrating because you what you see on the ice looks so easy when you watch hockey your whole life and you're like ah oh, skating backwards no problem not realizing <laughs> you know you gotta bend your knees you gotta like keep your back straight uh um, you got to learn to, you know, turn on all four corners of your of the edges, all four edges of your skate. Um, it's not just snow plowing your way around. So it was, it was wobbly, but, um, I, like I played a lot of sports growing up. And, uh, so just uh, getting past that learning curve is really what was important. Yeah. And it's funny because athletes, yeah, that, that first time it's like, Ooh, this is different, but athletes pick it up pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, as we were talking earlier, you mentioned, you know, you have thrown on the pads a time or two. Um, yeah. What made you want to step between the pipes and stop the puck instead of shooting? So, so in Canada, it's pretty easy to rent hockey. Uh, I ran my own team and um, it was very easy to rent ice time. So if my friends aren't, if I didn't find an ice time, I would just rent the ice time, call up a bunch of people and we would just get on the ice. Um I'd just say, hey, just throw five bucks in the pot or bring a beer and, and, and we would get ice. So we, I would rent ice all the time. And of course, you would sometimes you can't find goalies. So uh, what do you do is you, you get your own gear. And yeah. uh, you're just like, hey, I can only find one goalie. So I'll just slap the gear on and, and learn to play. Um, and, and again, there's a, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And at the time when I just started learning, a friend of mine was starting a new hockey league called Ice 604. And the whole idea was uh, beginners can learn how to play hockey. And it was packed. There was like, I, I like to say there was like 15 divisions right away of 10 teams. Like it was, I was not the only one in my 20s, 30s that were Canucks fans that never mm-hmm. learned. Game. So this, this league was built on, for people who wanted to learn how to play. And that was in a safe environment that wasn't, that was competitive, but um, was, you know, everyone can learn together. And mm-hmm. And being a goalie, um, being a rink rat, I would just jump around from teams to teams to teams. Everyone needed a goalie. Um, and I was kind of right at that skill level where it would work. So that was that was a very cool league. And my friend still, I think it folded during the pandemic, but he, he ran that league for a long time. That's awesome. And it's crazy when you're a goalie, how much ice time you could actually get. Like, I have a kid I coached in high school. He texts me a couple of times, you know, this winter. He's like, hey, are you available tomorrow at noon? um you know for a three on three skate pretty good pretty good skate with some former pros i'm like you're asking me if i'm available in the middle of the work day for a skate on the other side of town no <laughs> do i want to be yeah yeah but you know there there's just i could skate seven days a week if if i wanted to but you know i i want to stay married so i don't <laughs> um yeah but it, it's one of those where once you find establish yourself and find that team, it's even better because like I know at least once a week I have this skate, um, yeah. And it, it's one of one of those processes I'm I'm getting very close to having to do again is uh, we're getting ready to move out of state and I'm I'm gonna have to just start you know being that rink rat for a while and until somebody asks if I want to be their full time goalie. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Um, I'm luckily I'm not married, and at the and I don't and I have a job where I'm I'm freelance at the time, and I, I'm an artist, as you know me. Yeah. Uh, so I always had time on my hands, and I always like okay, sh- I, I would always say yeah, sure, three o'clock, yeah, I'll jump, I'll I'll run out there, <laughs> I go, I'll, I'll play, and then you're at the rank, and someone else would say, hey, 
we got the next rank across when this game over can you jump over there i was like yeah sure whatever i'm i'm already sweating so i'm i'm fine um it was a lot of fun i, I the goalie taught me how to skate I, I feel like i became a better skater after i i played goalie i mean people don't realize that goalies are one of the best skaters on the team absolutely um, and, and that that's one thing whenever i say oh the goalie's best skater on the team they're like but you guys don't move it's like no our our skating is confined to a little box it's not north and south like everybody else and you know you, you take those pads off of us and put us through some uh agility drills with the the forwards and, and we're gonna make them look bad yeah yeah i would say that um i i when i first learned to skate skating is not gliding skating is about edges and yep. goalies know their edges that's that's the way you that's how you get from get around so it's it's great yeah yeah it, it is fun so you know we're i will say of the same vintage so you know we, we came up in an era when hockey was clutch and grab, but goaltending was very different than it is today. You know, goaltending in our youth was very much angles and getting in front of the puck, stopping it, where today it's very much, uh, as I've talked with some other goalies, it's blocking. It's it's a little more, yeah, it's positioning. Um, I, I miss those old goalies. You know, I, I think at times flurry is still kind of shows flashes of that. Um, yeah. Uh, Vasilevsky at times can can be that reactive goalie uh but you know you being a Canucks fan you know Kirk McLean god was he fun to watch um you know when you play goalie you know who would you say is kind of the one you try and model yourself after so I'm 5'8 so I guess we live in a world where butterfly six foot Mm -hmm. plus you know dropping the butterfly cover as much space as you can um I tried to do that. You can't do that as when you're five eight. Yeah. So, um, as a kid, I, 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 you, you learn to play with athleticism. Like you, you and that's where, uh, when you were talking there, I'm thinking, the, Mar- people don't understand Mar- Martin Brodeur and Hasek and yeah, uh, and even John Casey when they made that run back way back yeah. in the end. Smaller goalies, just pure athleticism with the will to stop the puck. Um, and that's kind of how I think I played. I, I had to learn that no butterflying is not the way to go. Yeah, I, I'm five ten, so I'm not much taller than you. And it, I, I I always think my style is kind of a mix between Cujo and Hashik, where a little little bit back there in the net, and it's it's pure pure uh, athleticism and reaction, but a little unorthodox like Hashik, where yeah, I'll I'll be rolling around sometimes just doing whatever I need to do to, to stop that puck. It's funny. When I first learned to play goalie, I was thinking back, I was telling all the guys, just shoot at the net, shoot at the net as much as you can. Yeah. I just want you to not miss the net because I need to see a shot from every angle, every, every, you just learn to see where shots come from and how it, how it comes off the puck. Um, the puck comes off the stick. So I would just shoot the puck, shoot the puck as much as you can. I wanted to see as many pucks as I could. Now with your time in the net, but still, primarily skating out, you know, do you feel playing goalie has helped you as a player to understand, you know, like you said, when to shoot the puck? Um, it does. It's I, Personally, I just found it a little like back catcher and hitter. I always wonder why back catchers uh, can't hit every single ball that <laughs> Me are too. the best in the league. It's because they can see it, but they can't hit it. Um, that's how I feel a little bit. Yeah, a better understanding of the game. Um 
as a goalie, but I, I don't think it really improved my shooting abilities, which is questionable at best. <laughs> I'm a passer um, yeah. because not at a choice, but <laughs> um, but I, I feel like playing goalie helped me playing goal. I mean, seeing the game is much better, understanding what the defense is doing. And I played a lot of defense later, also later on. And I feel like understanding what the goal is going through vision, vision wise, you know, um, where they're, what they're thinking about at a position it helps a lot as a goalie that this yeah. guy standing in front of the net is not a problem, but that guy standing in front of the net is a problem. Those yeah. type of things you learn a lot. Yeah. And um, it, it's always fun when I'm in the net trying to coach my defense and what to do and they don't do it. I'm like, come on guys. Like I, I see what's coming behind you. I'm trying to help you. Um, and it's yeah. always funny too, like between periods, I'll go to the bench and I'll try and tell them what to do with the goal. You know, that this last week, the goalie was okay with the first shot, but then he would, you know, had terrible edge control and everything else. So I'm like, just don't try and get the perfect shot. Just put it on net and crash the net. Yes. We got a few of them, but it was like, I made it simple for you guys. Just do it. But they're still trying to do the standard beer league play of take the puck behind the net and pass it out. But when that happens, we take the puck behind the net and either a lose it or when we pass it out, the passes to the wrong team. Yeah. So I'm like, just guys, just do what I say. Or, you know, I'm always telling them if you can't see the goalie shoot the puck, because if you can't see him, he can't see you. He can't see you. True. True. Yeah. And the hardest thing to do is stop the puck. You can't see. Uh, in fact, two games ago, we, we tied the top team in the league and it was only because the second goal was a shorthanded goal but he was just crossing over in front of my defenseman and shot it at the right time, right between his legs. And I had about half a second to make the save because it's like, I knew it was coming, but I, I had to be honest about the shot too. Yeah. I, uh, I thought another, another thing that I was thinking as you're talking is, um, is communication is something yes. that, um, that, Goalie can help a defenseman a lot by just letting them know what's coming behind them, behind the net, what's going on in front of them, um, and vice versa. And I think when you watch a lot of NHL hockey, you don't realize how much they're communicating with each other on the ice. Yeah. Um, but they're talking all the time. Yep. And and as a goalie, I used to say, I used to verbalize everything that's going on because it doesn't matter if they know it or don't know it. The chance, if they don't know this know it it's better how i have said it and uh and i'm always talking always talking on the on the ice well and even some of the nonverbal communication too uh you know i, I know for me if, if they're dumping the puck in if i'm not going to play it you know i'm just pointing to which side the uh the puck's going and just pointing my d knows right away i'm not playing the puck um you know th those little nonverbal things that you start to pick up pick up on when you start watching those NHL games kind of fun too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I remember when I got to college, you know, I, I sat down with my defense before my first game. I'm like, okay, so when I say take the puck on the odd man rushes, that means take the puck carrier. If I'm saying, or uh, no, what was it? No, if, if I said shot, it meant I have the shot, take the pass. If I said yeah. take the puck it to them, it meant, take the guy with the puck. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the, Oh you know, yeah. Interesting. The shit. So it was just making sure that what I was saying meant the same thing to them as well. Um, was, was always important. So it's, it's not, not just what we're saying on the ice, but let's talk in the locker room to make sure we're on the same page. Um, 
but in the beer leagues, it, it, that doesn't really matter because they're not going to listen to me anyway. I've been on the ice for five minutes, so they don't, they, they're already tired and they don't, they're not listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I've started realizing like when, when my defense was skating the puck and I'm trying to tell them, you know, take it behind the net nine out of 10 times, they turn around and send it up the board. So I'm kind of thinking I need to adjust my communication and go with the reverse psychology and, be able, yeah. and just some, put it up the boards. Maybe then they'll take it behind the net. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I've said this on the podcast before. Our team has the motto, if nobody gets hurt and there's beer in the locker room afterwards, it's a victory regardless of what the scoreboard says. Exactly. There, there you go. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because – um, there are no scouts in the stands and no. uh, we're all, we're all, we all want to get to work the next day. Yeah. There's no scouts in the stands and they're not watching the live barn feed either. Uh, so there, yeah, there's been a few times where guys start to get pushy and Hey, there you are. Um, but guys will start to get a little pushy and somebody always will shout out like, Hey, we got, we all have to work tomorrow. Let's cut it out. And, and there's been a time or two where, you know, you could tell the guy's got fire in his eyes. He's wanting to fight. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I do. I do have to work tomorrow. And it's really hard to explain to the boss why I'm walking into work with a black eye. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so uh, for those that are just listening and aren't going to watch the video, Scott was able to get his, or Preston, sorry, Preston was getting his uh, video, finally got it up. So that that's awesome. Uh, we, I, I had uh, one of the New York Police Department goalies on that play in the uh, rivalry game, and oh, wow. he, he couldn't figure out his camera. And finally, he got it working, and and we're talking. And I asked him, I was like, so what what do you do uh, in the police department? Because, you know, working for New York, it's huge. There's so many specialties and everything else. And it turned out he was in surveillance working with cameras. It's like, okay, let me get this straight. Like, you work with cameras all day and you couldn't get the camera on your computer working. It's like, how good are you at your job? And he's like, <laughs> I know, I know. I deserve all of the Ruby I'm getting right now. Um, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You're playing hockey, but along the way you go to school, um, you know, you're going to school, a technical school is, as we mentioned it earlier in uh, Calgary, for yeah. broadcast journal. I'm guessing broadcast journalism is what you went to school for. Correct. Correct. Um, so the idea was I wanted to, if I can't play the sport, I want to be in sports. So I wanted to like, I, I at the time it was the Olympics and I really, really thought, okay, well, if I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to be in broadcast so I can actually attend every, every sporting event possible. That, that's, yeah. that was the sort of the theory. So my, my major wasn't broadcast journalism because the school I went to just didn't have it, but my internship was at ABC News in Chicago. And it's funny because I got that internship playing hockey. So I would go home on break and I would skate at Johnny's Ice House down by the United Center. And one of the guys was one of the reporters and I got to know him. And you know, this is in the early days of email in the late 90s, early 2000s. I just saw him email like, hey, I want to intern at ABC. What do I do? And he, he got me in touch and wouldn't you know, I became his intern for the summer and the, nice. all, all these years. And it, it was funny because we would have the the uh, evening news that we would have to do. So we would start our day at the lunchtime rat hockey at Johnny's Ice House, shower up, then go into the studio. But all these years later, his son now is playing junior hockey and getting ready to go to Maine to play hockey next year. It's like it's kind of cool how 
how it just keeps going full circle yeah yeah full, exactly but it, it was all all because of hockey that i was able to get that internship but god did i learn so much that summer about you know just what goes into a 30-minute news broadcast you know yes. i don't think people know the the amount of work behind the scenes that happens and just those little video clips of b-roll like how that that takes a while to get you know first of all and yes. there's times where you're out there and you, you get this great chat you're like it's gonna be great and then you send it back to the studio and they use maybe a second and a half with it it's like oh my god <laughs> that's not yeah, what i want wonder why there's mistakes on air and you don't realize that people are counting in times everything's like to the second like 30 seconds yeah. of black here five seconds of black like every there's just so many things going on in any broadcast um you know things do get missed here and there so so for the broadcast part of it what were you studying and doing on the broadcast side um i was a camera operator i i directed some newscasts uh but um mainly camera op surprisingly enough i was very good at the graphic side of it yeah uh, i did a lot of the graphic arts uh bits um but i i, I was i was a terrible terrible camera op i worked for the <laughs> um the local horse track for a while that was my first job and I, I don't know if you know like have you ever been to the horse racing you're gonna oh, yeah. zoom in get as many horses in that shot as one of the far section as they come around the pole you have to widen out and then when you're they're going full speed. You got to hit that stop that, 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 whatever, I don't know what it called the end zone, the end line. You have to like pan, 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 then stop right there and let the horses run by. And I just couldn't do it to save my life. Um, <laughs> and there's people that have money on the line that need yeah. to see who finishes first. And uh, yeah. I was terrible, terrible at it. Uh, so I dropped the, I dropped the camera gig. I, wasn't, wasn't for me. When I was interning, it was funny because ABC in Chicago is a union shop and Almost every single one of the guys, when they saw there was an intern that day, they're like, you're carrying the camera, you're carrying all the, like, you're here to carry everything. But there was one guy, he very um, strict to the union rules. Like, he wouldn't even let me touch the camera. I was like, I'm just offering to carry stuff for you because you got your hands. So he's like, oh, no, no, no. But Rob, who I um, interned with, he, he kind of warned me ahead of time. So then it kind of became a joke between Rob and I, like just trying to offer to help pack things up or carry things. He's like, you can't touch it. You can't touch it. It's against union rules. It's like, it, uh, yeah, but it's also just being a good human being, trying to help somebody, you know, sure. but it, yeah. But uh, then there was another, it, consequently enough, a fellow by the name of Frank Rice, another goalie, like, I remember the one day I got in the truck and he throws back the Piranis hockey magazine, you know, equipment magazine for me. He's like, I just got this in the mail. And the three of us, cause we're all hockey players. We're just talking hockey the whole, whole time in the truck as we go to like a murder scene or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Along the way he, you're working in, you know, the broadcast side of things, but somewhere along the way, you just, you know, search around and, and you, you realize I'm, I'm kind of good at this. You know, I'm guessing even as a kid, you you were always doodling. Yes, I was always a creative when I was a kid. So um, basically what happened, I was I went from broadcast and I, I was clearly better at the at the graphics side of it. So I was doing a lot of graphics, online graphics, web design. Um, and I was actually in online video world at the, 
um, was my main job for a long time, broadcasting on online. Mm -hmm. And um, I always at the side, I would always be illustrating um, yeah. this and that. And I was, I always was drawn toward minimalism. So I, I did a bunch of these minimalist illustrations and, and actually the first piece, the first set I did is minimalist NHL logos. And yeah. This was in the, this was in, uh, I would like to say uh, early 2000s. I did these minutes and NHL logos. It, they went gangbusters. It was really popular. And then I got a cease and desist from the NHL. <laughs> Imagine that. Said, right? You can't be doing this. I remember cutting them. Uh, they actually, I had to like tell them how much I sold, give them all my profits. And I had to give it back and sign a letter. I'll never sell these again. So that was my first uh, lessons into trademark and licensing with the NHL. Um and uh, again, still working, doing my design work and everything and tr trying to figure out another thing that I would draw. Uh, and then a couple of years later, I decided to do these minimalist ballparks. Um, and I thought that was, you know, I, I actually knew, I actually did some research. I'm like, well, okay, architecture cannot be trademarked. Um, there's only a handful of buildings that can be trademarked. Um, you, there's a lot of freedom of creativity with, with that. So I did the minimalist ballparks and again, went gangbusters. It yeah. went like... Everyone was sharing it. It was on. It was on ESPN. It was on. It was being shared. Like, um, well, that's uh, how I found you. It was that great Wrigley Field one over your left shoulder that I was like, "This is because I'm a Cubs fan. I grew up in Chicago, yeah. so I'm like, this is amazing. Um, I love it. Um, I was in Deadspin. Deadspin was really big back then. Yeah. Um, I the Twins put the whole display on their wall, and then I got another call from the MLB lawyers, and there was a message on the, on, on there that said, uh, "We need to talk." And I was like, oh, no, not again, not again. Um, and I talked to my lawyer friend and I said, before I called, I called talk to my lawyer friend and they go, you know what? It, it kind of doesn't matter. They have more lawyers than you and they have deeper pockets than you. So if they don't yeah. want you doing something, they don't want you doing something. Right. That's just what it is. Um, so he, he walked me through. So I picked up, I called, called the lawyer back at the MLB and they go, we love this. How do we get this? How do we get this uh, license? And how do we, um, how do we make this thing a, a big thing for you? And uh, I was a little taken back. And then I, I kind of, um, that's where it all started, essentially. Um, the MLB opened a door that, and, and I've talked to other people over the years, and that's just not something the MLB does or any league yeah. does. They don't, they don't say, how can we help you? Right. <laughs> uh, it's normally you have to go to them and jump through their hoops and pay them all the money. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was it was a lot of money. I need to get investors at the beginning to actually get it up and running. Yeah. Um, but I, at that point, I kind of made a call and I quit my job, dropped all my contracts and said, this is what I'm going to do. If I if I fail, I fall on my face. At least I tried hard. And uh, uh, knock on wood, 10 years later, I'm uh, I'm still doing licensed artwork for for the MLB and NHL now. OK, oh, strange stories. I'll just let me throw this back. Yeah. When I finally got licensed with the NHL. Guess what? Guess the first thing I submit? The minimalist logos. <laughs> it comes full circle. So now I got to back up a second. When you say, you know, you decide art full time. Um, I know in the Asian culture how moms are when it comes to their, like one of my favorite comedians, first of all, is Joe Coy. And he's always talking about it. My cousin's married to a... Uh, uh, Filipino fella. One of my goalie partners is Korean. So I understand how Asian parents are with their kids. They want excellence. And I, I get it. As a parent, I get it. 
How did mom and dad take it when you called them and said, you know what? I am going to quit my job and do art full time. Um, I, so part of the whole um, sort of, I, I wouldn't say that this, this whole concept of becoming an artist and exploring all came about actually when my, my right around right when my father passed away. Um, and this, I was about 40 at the time and um, still kind of like going through life, sharing art and everything. And one of my last things my dad told me was, um, hey, if I were you and I weren't married and I don't have kids and I don't have, you're not, you don't, I don't have a mortgage. I wouldn't, I would just do, I would explore and do a lot of other things. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay in the same city. I would try different, I would just be more exploratory. And, and I, and I think that resonated with me. And I think I actually attribute a lot of that to me having the, having the wherewithal to just quit my job. Yeah. Do that. A great opportunity comes, comes. And I, I, I attribute that to him. And I kind of wish that he saw this whole thing become a, a, where it is right now because he because he was a sports fan and he did become a Canucks fan and and he would have loved the fact that I was at the outdoor game and the NHL invite me to the all-star games and all those type of things um going to world series and seeing Stanley Cups but um so but that's a lot of him and 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 my mother who's still here uh she she gets it but she's just happy that I'm happy let me put it that way I, I think she she's she was hesitant at first but um but she's just happy I'm happy yeah, once you're able to prove that, hey, this is a good thing I can provide for myself, and you're and they see how happy you are, yeah. And, and I would say, your your dad's still seeing what you're doing. He's still happy for you, um, yeah. You know, because not to go different ways, but we lost my mom about a year ago, almost now. And uh, uh, yeah. it, you know, it, and it, it's interesting because I've talked to Justin Goldman from the Goal Goalie Guild about it because, um, and when that happens, you start looking at life a little bit differently and you kind of notice some of those uh, spiritual things that can't be explained. You know, it's like, doesn't matter what faith you are. There's just those things you can't explain. And it's like, yep, moms are dads or whatever it is. It's, it's that, that loved one is you feel their presence. I agreed. I I agree a hundred percent. There's days where I'm on the plane. I'm thinking, Dad, you you're you're watching me do this. This is awesome. So yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's like that great line from the movie Rudy when he when he's in the church talking to the priest, and the priest goes, "There's two things I'm certain in this world: there is a God, and I'm not him." <laughs> that doesn't. Absolutely. I don't know if it's the the one I'm praying to or what, but there's a God, and I'm not him. And there, there was a uh, a brother at uh, the college I went to. He would always say, "Just look up at the night sky and tell me somebody didn't create that." something didn't create that it's like yep that that's the way yeah. to look at it um so yeah to, to backtrack you know yeah your your, da- your dad's there to see it through uh he's just seeing it from a different angle yeah absolutely um absolutely. but you know so the mlb is like hey let's make this a reality in the nhl all of a sudden they're like you know now that we have your money um <laughs> we we want we want to license these so that you know we, we can partner on them. And then the NFL comes along and the NBA, you know, because you start doing the, the awesome mascot ones too. Um, yeah. You know, and to clarify the kind of what I do, which is very unique. So I'm the only licensed NHL artist in there with uh, all their licensees. Um, the, there's a, as an artist, you can create art and then they'll pay you to 
to put it on a tops card or put it on upper mm-hmm. deck card or or put it in stadium um and you're just an independent artist and you and they you know you draw it they give the rights to do it yeah um i have the right to do whatever i want creatively i they just trust my license allows i paid them a lot a fair chunk of money to uh with the right that i can be as creative within my style and get it approved and i just need to uh, pay them a little bit of everything that i sell so um i'm one of four licensed artists with the mlb the mlb only has four artists like um artists nhl has me that's it Uh, (laughs) it's a quite a privilege it's a very um very unique position to be in um yeah, uh, that I, I have those abilities to work within their brand to be creative. Well, and along the way, it has evolved too because, oh, yeah, you also do some Star Wars stuff. Uh, and George Lucas, I, I, he doesn't own the Star Wars stuff anymore, but he still has say in it. George Lucas and Disney are very tight in what they allow too. Correct. Correct. So, and again, as an artist, I think, I think I have a style that's very resonates very well with their, mm-hmm. the minimums, very clean, very, if you know it, you know it. Um, yeah. It's very, uh, it's, it's almost like a guessing game with art. Yeah. And, and um, it could be applied to many things. I've been asked by the U S army to do, um, to do battleships once. And uh, cool. I was asked by Corvette to do minimalist cars once um there's, there's lots of opportunities where we're of my, with my particular style uh, so i just pick it and choose i'm a sports fan and that's i think that resonates through my art i'm not a yeah. corvette fan so i i could have done it but um i'd rather be doing ballparks and mascots and yeah and all those things well and i love the ballparks because i've seen so many times on social media you know there are fans that want to see every ballpark and when they Correct. knock the, the ballpark off the list, they'll buy the print of yours that coincides with the ballpark. And, and I mean, it's not just MLB ballparks, you know, you, you do college football state, you know, there, there's a bunch of them, you know, I'm right on the website right now and there's just a ton yeah. of, you know, options there, but it's like, they're, they're just so clean. And, and like you said, you have a style um, I, I've seen other artists try and do the minimalist and almost, I would say, copy you. And they just, they don't. Sorry. Um, no, don't worry about it. Uh, I usually have dogs barking in the background. <laughs> um, and and I, I, I told my daughter, I said, if I had the office wall space, I would probably have most of your artwork just because it's awesome. Um, but like you said, along the way, you're able to go to some of these NHL events, but in the summertime, you love to be outside at the ballpark. And I envy that because who doesn't love to just sit there and, and watch baseball, but along, you know, you don't just sit and watch the ball game. You sit and draw while you're at the ball game. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking about your minimalist art, but you also have these amazing ballpark princesses, which are because of your Disney license, Disney princesses and they're in you know, the jerseys of one of the two teams playing. They're like, where did that idea come from? So if we roll back, actually, I'm not licensed by Disney. Lucas has different brands uh, okay. to work with. So um, the Disney princesses specifically, um, I, I'm not licensed to do that. So I'm a big Disney fan. I've always I've always been, um, I live across from street from Disneyland and I, I, hear, I hear fireworks every night. Um, so I was going to the ballparks um, and I knew that, 
as an artist, you need to be, I need to be where, where I'm inspired and I can smell, see, feel all the, 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 the joy of what I love sports for. Um, so I would always bring my sketchbook with me and I've just found that, um, a, there was a lot of dads brought their daughters. They would always, that was always the thing. If I started drawing a, a Disney princess, their dads and the daughters, um, would come by and say, Hey, can, can my, can I make daughters sit down and, and watch you draw these for a while? She just, she doesn't want to watch the baseball game. So she'll yeah. sit there and draw with you. And I would say, Hey, you know what? I'm done to drawing. Here you go. Here, here's the drawing. Um, and I just saw the joy that that brought um, not only to the little girl, but to, to the dad who said, now, now my daughter has a great experience at the ballpark and it's now it's important to her. Yeah. And that builds her as a sports fan, builds him as a prouder dad. Um, so that happened quite a bit. Um, I, I feel like if I drew uh, things that little boys wanted, that's, they want, their baseball card signed. They want talk yeah. to the players. So that's kind of where the ballpark princess thing came by. And you're you're a father, you're a, 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 a girl dad. So yeah, you can understand that sort of that joy of your daughter going, hey, can we go to the ballpark? Because you because or go to the hockey game because that's because that's yep. what you love and that's I'd have good experiences from that. So uh, that's where the ballpark princess giveaway started. Um, it's just just to help bring share joy with my artwork. And, um, and, and I've seen it grow and resonate and people have messaged me over the years and just said that that's, um, how much it means to them as a father, yeah. as a female sports fan, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I just kept on going and, and doing more and more giveaways. That's just kind of my thing now. And, and, um, I, I use social media to help grow that. And, yeah. uh, it became a, it became a, a, a part of my brand, um, I it's it's strangely enough that when I pick up a pen and pencil uh, kind of like Ariel seems to be the first thing that comes on my hand anyway so that that has that was kind of normal for me um <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just it's been a, it's been an interesting ride and and also with the other thing with social media is I, I feel that without human connection and actually meeting people it's it's you can message back and forth and you can have twitter friends yeah but a lot of it is great that we can actually meet in real life and just talk baseball or talk hockey and and um and actually uh, actually create a connection with somebody and i've i've got have great friends because of the because of the giveaway or meeting at the ballpark yeah well it's funny you say it cuz you know I, I was at the stadium series in raleigh and i i don't know how the heck i didn't see your tent cuz it was right by the exit of the fan fest too so i'm like how i i know how i missed it because I bought my shirts for me, my dad, my son, and my hockey puck on the app, and we picked it up in the stadium so that I could avoid that ridiculously long line at the uh, merch tent at the Fan Fest. And I think that line was just so long, I didn't see your tent. Because um, we went to every other spot at the Fan Fest because I was like, I want to meet Preston because I've been following your art for a while. And more importantly, my daughter has too, because, you know, ah. like you said, I'm a girl dad, but she loves art. She always doodling always drawing her her dream is to be uh an animator for pixar um in fact we're looking at colleges she wants to go to the savannah college of art and design in georgia um but uh you know it, when i found you i was like you need to follow preston uh because he does some really cool stuff and she loves the minimalist stuff but like the ballpark princesses that speaks for because she loves disney she's always watching disney movies um and she loves Star Wars. So she loves the minimalist Star Wars. And um, 
it's like, yeah, it's just your art, you know, like you said, it's not just for the baseball fan. It helps bring, you know, dad and daughter together at times too. Um, so it's, it's really cool. I love, I love that. That's what, what better as an artist, my job, I always believe, um, my job is to, I think everyone has something creative inside of them that you just need to get out. I just, yep. I'm able to get it out. Yeah. So I, I'm able to just, if I want something, I can draw it. And, and I, I'm almost projecting that for other people when they see my art and they, they're like, that inspires them or makes, or brings them joy. A lot of times I just feel it's because it's already in them that they're just unable to draw it. So I, I'm, I'm able to express something in the world that that's trapped inside of you. And yeah. I feel the same way about hockey players or, or, or dancers or any people in the, in the arts in the world where, um, is is that there our role is to express things that we are unable to express um in a way so to hear that your daughter um watches that and sees that and and that's my goal as a sports artist to express things in sports in an emotional way that you never thought yeah about the field or that side The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long. So be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. I've been following my bracket. It's not completely busted yet, but let's just say I'd be out a lot of money right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah. Or my shirts print, uh, which is that side, all-star game print. Well, and it's fun too because when COVID hit, I remember you put a few coloring pages out there of the princesses. So I printed them up because um, my buddy um, Charles from Bo- Bone Jack Designs, he's got a really unique style too, and he draws goalies. And so he sent me a few to put on my blog page for people, you know, just because kids couldn't go out anymore. So let's give them some coloring pages. So I printed them out for my daughter. And it was really fun because even though she knows these teams, like she wasn't going to go with the regular team colors. Like she just went with like these random colors and everything else but she just she enjoyed those and they were fun for her she colored them in now she's a little bit older she's got her ipad she's drawing all kinds of stuff i think her last drawing that she put on her instagram was uh the last of us or i think she started watching so she did something for that and she just did a uh, another star wars one but is you know it, it's just kind of fun it's fun to watch uh like you said it brings joy to people uh, and when, when you're able to see that, like you are, it, it's on a whole nother level. I mean, obviously as an artist, you want to make money, but I'm sure seeing those smiles on the kids is just as good at times. Uh, and I say that when, you know, the bank account is okay, you can say it's just as good at times, but when you're like, Hey, hang on, I'm, I'm still trying to uh, figure out how I'm going to eat today. That's a different story. It's funny. Actually, you say that because I, I feel like there was a, I remember there was a moment when, 
I was talking to a couple of uh, my cousin actually, where we we're saying, you know, if I were rich, I would donate this much money. If I was rich, mm-hmm. I would donate this. I would, I would give away that. And I'd be, I'd be very philanthropical if I ever got rich. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of sat there and went, wait a second. Why are we, why are we disclosing that we need to be rich to actually give things away? Like, yeah. And I think that was a little bit of an aha moment right around that ballpark princess time. It's like, this is a piece of art that I can, I just need a piece of paper and a pencil and I can draw. That's something it may may be easy and simple for me, but it means a lot to somebody else and um, especially a random person. And I think that's a lot to do with, too, is just um, is a heart. A heart of giving is is can be done regardless how much money you have. You have something to give. So um, drawing is what I have to give. Yeah, Um, no, maybe teaching, teaching, uh, like seeing kids struggling, playing hockey, um, just giving tippers uh, and and showing how to do something is is a gift that you can give another kid someone else it means nothing to you but it means the world for someone else i taught my daughter how to drive and we both survived so i think that that was a <laughs> gift uh she she got her license last week and it's like we, we made it through jesus only had to take the wheel three times during that process <laughs> you know um but yeah no you, you're absolutely right so many times when we think of philanthropy we think of dollars and cents and we don't realize that there's other things we can give from our time to our skills you know and it makes such a big difference and sometimes money isn't what's needed um you know you're you're so true um so i have to ask because you've had the issues with the uh the licensing and disney is very strict with their licensing how do they feel about the ballpark princesses I, i i gotta guess because you're not charging for them there's kind of a gray area there we we don't I don't actually sell them honestly. Right. I mean, there's a handful of times where people buy them, but in the artist world, a one of one is uh, you don't need to ever license a one of one, an yeah. original. Um, and I give them away. That's kind of what that's kind of the thing. Um, I um, and and they they kind of they both the MLB and the NHL have have been supportive of it. My message has always been very consistent. You know, I'm, I'm at the ballpark. I'm giving it away, and my purpose is um, is to to build children, um, girls, and women in sports. And and yeah. I and I've been lucky enough that I, they've supported me across the board on on that. Um, both actually, both Disney and MLB have and NHL have been very supportive of that. Um, now, you call them ballpark princesses, but every once in a while we get a WWE princess too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are kind of a fun crossover, and I, I can just picture a Disney princess in the, in the ring, you know, going at it with her villain. Well, you we, we've actually trademarked the name Wins, which is which stands for Women in Sports, mm-hmm. and uh, we and I I'm, I will probably start transitioning a little more toward uh, a a brand that we can we can actually probably promote a little more as a business. Um, and hope, I think we have some athletes on board that might be interested in, in helping support female athletes, help support that. So it is, tra- there's going to be a transition point. Um, the WWE, I was licensed with, with wrestling for a while. So, um, that's where those came from, but I, you'll, you'll probably see a little more of that type of artwork, um, on, more under the wins brand than it is the yeah. ballpark Princess brand. No, I, I'm excited to see it because they're, they're all awesome. In fact, I'm looking at them website right now i mean you've got some from the stadium series and the all-star game and uh god it's a shame they couldn't get you into that that hockey game after you know that they gave you a spot in the uh fan fest they they couldn't bring you into the game that's such a shame 
Uh, it is. It is too bad. Uh, it was a busy, busy event, though. It was. Yeah. Um, for those that weren't at the stadium series, um, Carolina Hurricanes fans are are rabid, and mm-hmm. it was Black Friday Street for four hours for us. So it was pretty cool. It was well in getting into the game. I mean, it was a great venue for hockey because it was like fifty degrees at game time. Um, you know, beautiful sunset. Our tickets were on the uh, side of the benches, kind of high up, but they were at the blue line. And I'm sure, you know, when you go to hockey, sitting higher up is what you want to do. And it was just just a great time. But be able to be able to experience it with my son and my dad is what made it special. And, you know, my son, he's like, we've been to a few games, but this atmosphere is crazy. But then just last week, we went to the Minnesota High School Hockey Tournament for the Class A Championship game because his son's school was playing in it and they wound up winning. And so I on the drive home i'm like so what experience was better he's like dad we can't compare them you know it's like you've got yeah you've got the stadium series the venue is amazing he's like but the experience here because that game because he, he goes to matamidi both kids do and they were playing world which is up near the canadian border mm-hmm. that's where jo she went and world was undefeated and they come out and they, they pull ahead and they're they're staying close. So one of the world players scores a hat trick. Now a Matamidi player scores a hat trick. It's late in the game, last like four or five minutes, they're down by two. They score a goal, they wave it off. They call it goaltender interference. It's very questionable. So they're like, crap. Now, but then they wind up clawing their way back. And the first goal they score after that one that's waved off the player that scores, it turns to the referee. He's going, goal, goal, goal. It's like, oh, my God, be <laughs> careful, kid. You could get a uh, misconduct. Scores. But the ref, to his credit, too, every goal after that, he just stood behind the net and just and held it for, like, 30 yeah. seconds. Like, no, no question there. But they wind up tying the game. They go to double overtime and win. And usually overtime, it's a crap goal that goes. This was just a beautiful goal. And the whole team comes, they celebrate in front of the uh, student section. And one of the Matamidi students was able to climb up and over the glass and get on the ice with them. And it's like, oh, my God. And everybody's like, "Uh, what's happening? He didn't get arrested. He just got a two-year ban from the XL Energy Center. And I think it's more of a, they say it's a ban, but they, they said they had to do something to discourage it. And then I asked my son after Monday, I was like, so any extra disciplinary for the kid at school. And he kind of started laughing because uh, he's actually at baseball tryouts right now. And he goes, he got a two game suspension from baseball. That's it. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay that that's fair. Um, yeah. Cause you think he was a junior or something. It's like, that's fair. It's just kind of saying, okay, what you did was actually kind of funny. And once he got on there, he just celebrated with his classmates. He wasn't being a jerk or anything. It was like, mm-hmm. we, we got to send a message without, really doing anything to you is like all right that's cool but god that's good that's good of them that's awesome those experiences i mean uh yeah yeah, that's amazing yeah it it was such a class i mean they were talking about the game on spitting chicklets this week it was one of those types of games where it's just cool so we've been talking a while i want to be mindful of time one of the i close out every episode asking every guest 10 questions they're the same questions i've asked every guest so kelly rudy eddie belfort They've all they've answered these same questions. So the first one is, and, and this might be difficult for you because um, you've kind of started playing hockey later on when you may not have had a coach. But I'm guessing you probably played some organized sports in your younger days. So 
this kind of is a gray area. Uh, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it? They went full on Mike Keenan. Um, yeah, I don't have, I don't have any, <laughs> anything really like that. Um, uh, I'm, unfortunately I'm going to have to pass. I don't, I don't recall. It's been so long since I was in high school, <laughs> high school sports. That That's all right. That's all right. So the next one, I know you'll probably have an answer for because you're an artist. What's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Favorite all-time goalie mask. Um, I was a big Mike Lemieux, Mike fan okay. when I was younger, and he had that long white yeah. mask. Uh, I, I was a big fan of that. But when it comes to the the artwork, um, I, I would um, let me let me think. I think I think Beezer's helmets were helmet was was one of my favorites. Yeah, and Don Strauss, he was the one that painted. I had him on the pod. He, one of the few non-goalies that's been on the podcast was Don Strauss because he's a racing guy. And, you know, he grew up in auto racing, and he just saw these goalie masks and was like, there's got to be a better way to make them. So yeah, he designed actually, that armadillo he, mask. He there came into my gallery once, and we talked goalie masks, and he actually designed his own. He actually was an art student, a graphic art student. Oh, before, really? Beforehand. And he uh, he designed that original goalie that mask that he, that he had uh, at the – early years of the ducks that is awesome to know because i'm trying to get him on the podcast because uh anaheim ducks social media manager is actually a goalie and i've had him on um tyler but uh yeah so don don strauss he painted that mask and it's funny because beezer's first mask um for the panthers was more of a lifelike looking panther and beezer loved it but the panthers like we want something that looks a little more team branded so that one never saw the ice uh and instead he created an iconic goalie mask but you talk about the mike Leute one there's a uh, beer leaguer up here who subs for me once in a while that i had him on the podcast not too long ago that wears a mike Leute style mask to this day and i'm like darren you are something else a classic um, yeah it is like and i, I asked him I was like you know technically it's not allowed under USA hockey rules. He's like, but it's beer league. And the refs just come up to me and they're like, you're going to wear that. And I say, yeah. And they're like, okay, it's, you're an adult. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's up to you. Um, so what is your favorite rink that you've played at? Favorite rink uh, I've played at. Um, every year I used to rent out a Rogers arena actually. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, every year I would we would rent. I would do a Rogers Arena skate with all my buddies. Um, oh, fun! Um, I know a lot of your guys have played hockey, but uh, who's been on the podcast? But some some of the people who have listened who have not been on an NHL ice rink, um, the ice is special. It's just put together so nicely. Um, you, you going straight, it's straight, and then you turn, and it just your skates just pick up. NHL ice is unbelievable, and yep. I recommend anyone. Um, if you have a chance to skate and play hockey on NHL ice, um, do it. Well, and what they don't tell you is how warm it is out there because of those TV lights. When they turn them on, it's like, oh, my God. Cause I, I played at uh, what's now the All-State Arena where the Chicago Wolves play. Uh, and it was the same. Like, I, I played the second half of the game, and I was already sweating just sitting on the bench because of those TV lights. Uh, it's It's crazy. And back when we were out in Raleigh, I was talking to um, some of the people we were with. And uh, they're like, oh, it's probably too warm for the ice on there. It's like, no, 
this is almost perfect ice conditions. I said, because across the street inside that building, because yeah. of those lights, it's actually hotter down at ice level than it is out here. And they're like, no way. It's like, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. One of my dreams as a um, as an artist is I wanted to actually have a drop in Preston drop in at every NHL rank travel like travel every every rank and go all right this, this Thursday we're going to be at uh we're going to be at PNC and you know sign up yeah. and get in junior gear and let's have a drop in um drop in game uh, after yeah. the rank so I've, I've always dreamed of doing that um maybe one day that's one season I'll just do a whole tour of 32 uh 32 drop in hockey beer league if, hockey for everybody if only you knew somebody at the NHL <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because we're we're getting ready to maybe sell our house and move out of state. And I, I was talking that when I at the uh, high school hockey tournament, they have the Let's Play Hockey Expo, which is a bunch of vendors. It's awesome. And uh, one of my buddies who with Northern Lids, he makes he's he's got like an old Cooper hat and some of these other cool ones. Um, I was telling him, you know, if we move, I want to get a skate together with you know some of the people I've met since I've lived in Minnesota that I enjoy playing hockey with and said, so just know I might be reaching out to you. He's like, well, where's it going to be? So I don't know, probably TCO up by me or something. He's like, why not here at the X? He's like, uh, because I don't know anybody to get me that. He's like, I know a few people. He's like, let me know. I was like, yeah, I'll let you know. Cause I, that's one of the rinks I haven't skated at yet is the XL energy center. It's like, I'll, I'll let you know for sure. If I'm getting this skate together, um and i'll I'll be sure to invite you too <laughs> nice. Nice. yeah yes yeah M maybe if that happens I'll, I'll let you know so you know that can be one of your drop-ins um so what's your favorite stick that you've ever used um favorite stick yeah actually my first stick was this christian was like the christian metal shaft with the that was uh the old um, two-piece. The old two-piece. Uh, we bought it just because uh, I think uh, because I think Gretzky just started using them in the '90s. That was a big thing. Um, yeah. The, and I, we ran out and grabbed the metal, and I never used it for ten years. And then when I started playing hockey, I was like, I have a stick, and it was it was it was heavy. It was the old yeah. aluminum sticks were heavy. Um, so I have very fond memories of that stick. Um, and and um, I use mostly power right now. The best thing about those aluminum sticks, you know, the two pieces is they were heavy, but after a while you look at them from the side and they were like bowed and you'd have to turn the blade around so you could bow it back the other way. Yeah. Um, now it's funny being up here in Minnesota, like my brother, like he played high school hockey, he played junior hockey and college hockey. So my in-laws had all of these old sticks left around, but they were just the shafts. And my in-laws for a while had a hobby farm and my father-in-law was using the old shafts as uh, uh, roost for the chickens to sit on oh, wow. as they cool. laid their eggs. I was like, I'm going into the barn and here's like five Christian uh, shafts just sitting there. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is not how you treat a hockey stick, but you know, <laughs> that that's life in Minnesota for you. Uh, so what is your favorite hockey memory? My favorite hockey memory? Yeah. Uh, for, um, playing, playing, finally winning a beer league cup was meant, uh, I think it took 
six years. And I don't think I've, I've only won one in my entire beer league's professional career. Uh, So that was, that was pretty special for me, Uh, especially, you know, getting all the guys together, um, playing with that core group and for six years, six or seven years. And then we finally won one. So that for me, that was beer league. Um, My very first NHL game was getting so excited. Um, Canucks versus Kings in the Pacific Coliseum. Uh, Cliff Ronning scored a goal in overtime and he threw a stick over the glass. And um, that was on, that was, yeah, that was unbelievable to see hockey for the first time for me. Um, Yeah. No, you know, Billy Crystal talks about, you know, the first time he goes to Yankee stadium and you're walking through and, you know, the, the old ballparks, he had the tunnels and, you know, walking through the tunnel and seeing that grass for the first time. Well, yeah. my first NHL game was at the old Chicago stadium and it was oh. the same thing walking through there and you walk through the tunnel and you see that ice was so white and it looked, even though the old Chicago stadium had a smaller rink than other NHL stadiums, it still looked like the biggest sheet of ice I had ever seen. You know, it's like, and, and it was on new year's day or new year's Eve uh, in the last year at the old barn. And I was a big Eddie Belfour fan. And I knew, you know, first goalie out on the ice is starting. And they come out for warm-ups. And Jeff Hackett steps onto the ice first. And I was so upset. And then I wound up having Eddie Belfour on the podcast. And I was telling him this. And he goes, I was probably just as pissed as you were because I wanted to play. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, those first games, it, it's it's the same thing. And it's fun as a parent because – I I remember taking my son to his first game and my dad was in town and the Blackhawks were in town. So my dad brought him a Jonathan Taves Jersey and three of us are going into the game and we, you know, we're all wearing our Jersey. And I got this just beautiful picture of my dad and my son from behind and they're holding hands, walking into the rink. My son's like three years old. And it's just like that right there is what it's all about. And you know, we went, down, went down by the glass during warmup. So you could see him. He got a puck and then we go to our seats. Cause I always get tickets up high because it's better than be when you're down on the glass you, you don't see as much because you, if you're on the side you got the benches in the way it's you, yeah they're just they're not good seats save your money sit up top that's my advice but we sit down and right before the game starts there's like six 21 22 year old guys sit down you can tell they pregame and i look at my dad it's like oh this is gonna be a long night yeah couldn't have had a better group of guys behind us like they, we were really? going, this is back you know when the hawks were winning stanley cups and go play in the wild every year in the playoffs. So th- there was good banter back and forth. But at one point, one of the guys actually accidentally said shit. And like, he was so apologetic. He's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I said that it was a one, nothing Blackhawks win. And it was a uh, Marion Hosa goal. It was a turnover right at the blue line. He took like three steps and just sniped it. And the three of us, we stand up and my son's, you know, got his arms up. He turns around each, every one of those guys gave him a high five. And it was funny because after the game, I, Turn around, I said, fellas, I got to say, when you guys sat down and one guy goes, you were worried that we were going to be a bunch of jerks, weren't you? I go, yeah. He goes, well, we kind of are. But I said, but you guys were on your best behavior. And I appreciate you. You created a really good, you know, uh, environment for his first game. And, you know, so I, I made sure to thank him. But it was like, oh, my. But, you know, just it's one of those memories we, we have of that first game. Um, but to get back on track, what is your... Or, that was the one I just asked, favorite hockey member. So what is the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? Sorry, that kind of broke up a bit. Can you uh, say that what, 
what's the best chirp you've heard either on the ice off the ice directed at you not directed at you um you know there's there's several that just come to me but i just um <laughs> that's what i love about this one you can just see the memories coming back to people it's like um yeah I've, I've i've said i've said some uh some pretty things we don't want to say out loud <laughs> that come to mind yeah um not not very disney-esque no not very <laughs> not something that i would uh, i would be proud to say uh verbally right now uh, um it's um yeah i'm gonna have to pass on that because everything that, that i can think of is uh that's that's fair nothing that, uh, I, could, that I could say about I, I i've had a few where you know they're like i'm gonna tell you but it's after you're done recording and i'm like yes we could not have gotten away with that you would have been canceled in a heartbeat <laughs> but it, it's a little bit of the cancel culture it's a little bit of that you know what what says on the ice is is, is a heated moment but i yeah let me just put it this way they, they find it very they get a really aha moment when you say some some uh some racial things about your own race and they're like wait what you just said what he just said that and yes. uh and um and, and they're they're all fun tongue in cheek and uh and uh but that's that's always the funny reaction but I can, if I can get them to like not focus on hockey for a second, oh yeah, and I, and, uh, then um, then I, I have an advantage. So to um, your I'll point, to your point, it's you know what's said on the ice stays on the ice because we all know that no matter how fall and bad it gets, yeah. it's either a out of frustration or most often out of humor, and we know that we have a weird sick sense of humor when we're on the ice and in the locker room and that's to be respected yeah and and you can tell when something is on the ice and it gets brought off the ice that's when you know there's a problem yep that's when you know there's a problem but when it's set on the ice and you shake hands after at the end of the game and you're just like yeah yeah, yeah. There, there there was one in high school that one of my te- you know like you said there's there's that fine line where my high school teammates said it and we we're all like oh my God, you just went there, but that was hilarious. And it's like, yeah, there, there's just that, that time and place. Uh, so what is the worst post-game beer you've had? Sorry, the worst post-game beer? Yeah. Oh man, it's sitting in my fridge right now. It's a Guinness Nitro coffee. Okay. And um, I, I, yeah, that was terrible. Um, Great beer back after Pilsner. Yeah. I'm a beer guy, so I know Pilsners. Yeah, yeah. So when the guys bring Pilsner, we're all like, oh, yeah. Um, thanks, but no thanks. Um, you know, you cheaped out. But um, I have this I have this nitro, and then he was the guy was just throwing it in everyone's bags. And I still have it in my fridge because I won't touch it. It's 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 yeah. to me it's terrible. Um Guinness. I love Guinness, I love coffee, you just put them together and I don't really that yeah, this, it was it's not that great. Um we had a guy that brought fireball every single game. We, oh, he would buy a new a fireball. I love that. That was hilarious. That was great. We, I mean, we don't share drinks like that anymore, but I remember that yeah. that guy would always bring a, a bottle of fireball. I I subbed for a team and they they would show up with just a bunch of the little nips of the different and they're offering me fireball and other stuff before the game. And I'm going, Do you guys want me to see one puck or three? Just let me know. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll offer this up after the game. I was like, yeah, not before the game. Uh, so when so here, here's my question for you then. How do you guys do 
beers after the game? Does that do you do, you do the rotation, or do you you know does one guy bring all the beers and everyone pays for it? It depends on the team. I, I know some teams that almost have a schedule like your youth soccer team for snacks after the game. They're like, this game Jersey is this numbers. guy. This, you, you know, yeah. Now the team I'm on, it's just kind of like it's nobody really ever talks about it, but somebody always brings it. Um, okay. Being the goalie, they don't charge me, so I try and bring it. You know, two or three times a, a season. Yeah. Um, and I try not to bring the cheap, cheap stuff. I try and bring something that's a little bit better. Um, but not like I love Guinness, but I'm not going to bring that because it's a terrible post game beer. It's too heavy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but there there are some teams like I said that will just put the calendar out there, and it's like you've got beer tonight. Um, I got yeah, so team... tired of I got so tired of people not bringing beers. I so my what I did is I just I brought the beer every game. Yep. I will not forget I'm the team captain. I will bring the beer every game. So we had hockey pucks. Oh, sorry. We had um, poker chips and, and every, it was a dollar a chip. I just bring tons of chips with me and people just go throw $10 in, grab 10 poker chips. And then every time they'd grab the beer, they just throw a poker chip in. Um, it wasn't really a matter of making money. It was just an easy way to just keep track of what's going on. If you lost your poker chips, sorry, you yeah. go buy some more off me. So um, that was how we did it after a while. Cause I got tired of people forgetting. Well, and I, I like our team captain, you know, it's, I think it's 150 bucks for this the season, which is really not that bad for as many games as we play. But he bases that price off of knowing some guys might only show up for one or two and not pay them. So he goes, if everybody pays, then I have extra money. And he goes, that that doesn't go in my pocket. I just bring beer more often this season. So it's yeah. like, you know, it, it works out. Um, yeah. So when you tape your sick eagle, heal the toe or toe to heal. Sorry, he froze up again. Oh, uh, when when you tape your stick, do you go toe to heel or heel to toe? Um, I there's a right or wrong answer, right? I for, go toe, I go toe to heel. For goalies, yes, I say there's an answer, but you you primarily tape your stick for fo- playing forward. And when I'm a forward, yeah. I also go toe to heel. But when mo- most goalies, it's heel to toe. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I actually and, didn't know that. And I, I've talked to quite a few, especially the ones of our vintage. It's because when we played, we had the wooden sticks and you had to protect that heel. So we always just started up there for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Uh, black tape too, as a forward, always black tape for me. Yeah. Uh, just because the goalies can't see the puck. Just It's just that momentary. If you can't, if the puck melts with your tape, it's, it's just a little yeah. bit more distracting. When I coached, I would tell our forwards to use black tape, but I always told my defensemen to use white tape because they're right. trying to help the goalie clear the rebounds. I want them to see it. Yeah, I, I all day I'll say forwards should use black tape, um, and my defensemen should always use white tape. Uh, I've always, I shouldn't say always, I almost only use white tape on my stick. I had black a while back because I had free roll, um, but in high school, our school colors are maroon and orange, and I would buy orange tape at the beginning of the season out of the back of USA hockey magazine found this place. And I, so I had orange tape in high school. Um, so that, that was one of the few, few exceptions. Uh, so what's your favorite number to wear and why? Uh, I wear 50, I wear 16 a lot for Trevor Linden when I went, when I was uh, younger, but I actually wear 56, my favorite baseball and it's an anime show and uh, it's called major it's about a kid who in japan it's one of otani's favorite um um animes 
Um, and they're the main character, Shigunogoro, wore 56. So I wear 56. Um, that also leads into the beer thing because I almost never have to bring beer when they're using jersey numbers. <laughs> I, that, uh, that works. Yeah, that's awesome. So the last question I have is what advice do you have for young goalies? Uh, for young goalies? Well, A, um, definitely see as many pucks as you can. You, 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 you can never, you can, you can't be on the ice enough. Um, don't be scared of playing higher level than your ability. Um, A, it's never the goalie's fault. So even if you are the worst player on the ice, uh, the <laughs> hockey players won't blame you as much. Um, yep. But even the even the high end quick shots that are they're done by the the better players are actually easier to save, and you you learn a lot. And so just got to see as many pucks as possible. Yeah, I, I've always said it's easier to play up than it is to play down. The Correct. only difference yeah. playing up is things are coming at you quicker, uh, but the the plays are happening the way you anticipate them to. It's just happening a lot quicker but when you play down plays aren't happening the way you expect them to and you get caught out of position because of that and the communication i've always say just talk 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 to your talk to the other guys talk to your defensemen uh let them know what's going on when they're coming around the coming around the net just talk 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 those are my that's my advice absolutely well preston it's been really fun getting to talk to you especially after following you for as long as i have uh i feel like i've got a new hockey friend and uh (laughs) <laughs> when I'm at the events that you're going to be at, I, I know I can swing by and say hi. Oh, and you're a, what, what team are you a fan of? Uh, I'm a Blackhawks fan because I grew up in Chicago. So I'm a Blackhawks Cubs fan. Uh, you know, uh, I like all Chicago teams except for the White Sox. I have my morals. Like, <laughs> this is true. You're never yeah. one or the other. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe there might be a, maybe might be a ballpark princess uh, coming your way or a, 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 a that would be amazing. I know it won't wind up on my uh, office wall. It will wind up in my daughter's room. I know that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, again, thank you and uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, evening here. You're out in the West Coast, so you have a little more of it left than I do. I have a little more time. I'm going to get yeah. caught up on the final on the on March Madness. And uh, yeah, it's probably I have, not... uh, two weeks before I head to London for Star Wars. So that's, oh, how fun. Be a big one. I was going to say, it's probably not snowing there like it is here. No, yeah, not in California. Yeah, no, yeah, we, we've had so much snow this year, it's ridiculous. I'm just checking my bracket and it hasn't been busted yet. Uh, so I, I got that going for me. <laughs> so, all right, well, you have a good one and we'll, we'll be in touch. Absolutely, thank all you right. so much for having me. It's thank awesome you. Yeah, bye now. I've been a fan of Preston's work for a while, as has my daughter. In fact, I showed her his work at the beginning of the pandemic, and she loved the ballpark princesses, but then discovered his minimalist work too, and I think I've seen some influence in her work. I was able to connect with Preston, and I think now I have a new hockey friend who I almost met in person at the stadium series. Be sure to follow Preston on Instagram at Designs and on Twitter at Poot Poot. That's P-O-O-T-P-O-O-T. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washedupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. 
If you want some wash-up goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many shows to list here, but shows like the Chicago Tomahawk Podcast, the Tell It Abs It Is Podcast, and the J. Jake Jackets Podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly by episode 28 guest Brent Denor, the magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie, usually from the 80s or 90s. I need to thank the band Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice, your body square to the puck. Good news? Well, Dave, the pond?